0: Uh, we should have the person who ties the most sit up the Um I'm here,
1: I'm Josiah,
0: we're college minister, it's good to meet you on the Hope Week Chat and Service, where we have our maybe an all-time greatest connection dinner. Homemade pulled pork, homemade cornbread, mac and cheese, and cookies. This is gonna be a winner. Uh, I'm super psyched about it. Uh, if you're not on our email list, you can find out. What our upcoming uh, future looks like here, at connection. You want to send it for that back there, um, and uh, so we have been doing a series throughout the spring semester called Epic Stories of the New of the Old Testament, where we've been telling stories of some characters we've studied in Sunday school as a kid: um, Samson, Joseph, Gideon, and looking at those uh, on a deeper level, thinking about what they speak to us today. Following Jesus Christ. Um, we've kind of taken a little hiatus from that. We had our marriage panel three weeks ago, uh, had a panel on marriage and dating if you weren't here, were three older couples, uh, 60s, 70s, and 80s, made uh, great comments and very interesting comments on marriage, or would ask a question about marriage and they would just say whatever they wanted. <laughs> which, which happened quite frequently. <laughs> different direction. I want to share a story with you. A few years ago, a friend of mine graduated from college, and she moved to a new city, a big city, and she wanted to get plugged into a church. Uh, her faith was really important to her, and she also wanted to make friends. And so she went to this church on Sunday morning, and then she checked out their young adult service, kind of like Connection, but for people who are young in their career. And so she went there. She got to know the ministry leader a little bit, and she was like, oh man, yeah, she seems really nice. I think I'll hang out with her. They went out and grabbed a coffee. And uh had a good time. But it became really clear to my friend throughout her conversation that this leader's primary interest in getting to know her was to hook her up with somebody of the opposite sex. And so they're just chatting, getting to know each other. She's like, oh, I've got this guy I want you to get to know. And so you know, they meet. She's like, yeah, you know, this dude, he's kind of weird. I don't know if I'm really into this. uh, Long story short, the church was not a good fit for her, primarily because she felt uncomfortable with this ministry leader trying to hook her up with somebody. All of that said, here in the church, we often have conversations about living out our faith in the context of marriage. Um, And that's what our marriage panel is all about. It's an opportunity to learn, uh, whether you end up being married someday or not, I think it shows a lot about how to live out our human relationships well. I think a mistake that we often make in the church is we don't talk too much about what it looks like to live out our Christian faith in the context of singleness. Uh, And as a result of that, sometimes I think that unbiblical ways of thinking about being single can seep their way into our thought processes, such as a single ministry leader, uh, pardon me, a ministry leader thinking a single young lady is certainly looking for a relationship, but really she just wanted to make friends. She wasn't looking for someone to date at that point in her life. She just wanted to make friends. And so when we don't think about a biblical context for singleness, we we can put ourselves in an awkward position and say things that are unhelpful and unbiblical, um, the unspoken attitude of some is that being a single adult is kind of a bummer, um, especially as you get older. Uh, you can find people who say, most people should try and find a spouse as soon as possible because it's hard to live a completely fulfilled life if you're not married. There are people who would say that. But on the other side of the coin, you'll meet more and more people who would say this. I'm sure that uh, some of you are in this place right now yourself where you're thinking, Damn, like I am totally not interested in that at all. Like, I've got my course planned out. When I was in college, I was like, I'm going to move to a cabin in the woods in Colorado and train like 150 miles a week of running because that was like that was my life's greatest ambition at that point. And so that's what I wanted to do. Um, you know, it's pretty easy for people nowadays to slip into an individualistic mindset that comes really easily in our culture. We can find ourselves thinking, you know, why would I want to limit my options and tie myself down to something like marriage? I mean. I could limit myself, my mobility and relationships and work and my hobbies. Why would I want to do that to myself? And so tonight, I want to look at a biblical perspective, a Christian perspective on singleness. How are single people to be themselves in that phase of life? Uh, Whether it's a phase of life or something that's, uh, for long term, how are they to pursue life with Christ in their specific context? And I think this applies to all of us, because as far as I know, I don't think we have any college students here at the church, Um, at least not becoming a connection regularly. I was single until I got married at age 23. Um, A lot of friends of mine (laughs) are single until they get married in their 30s and 40s, so who knows? But I know that right now this is going to apply to you at this phase of your life. Um, The first thing that I feel like we need to get straight is this, that the idea of being single is somehow a lesser state for a believer to be in than being married is one that you absolutely will not find anywhere in scripture. That is completely unbiblical. Um, And to believe that, I think, very much devalues our Christian identity. For Christians, uh, our salvation in Christ entails a lot of blessings. And one of those blessings is that we are united with Christ. Union with Christ is what we're talking about. And that's that through faith in Jesus, we are united to him. We are in Christ. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Have you heard that scripture? It's telling us we're not vaguely associated with Jesus, like we're just Facebook friends or something. Uh, We're fans of his. We're actually in him. Uh, The book of Galatians, Paul writes about it this way. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so what he's saying is that when we trust Jesus, we become different people. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us. That's our union with him. It's at the most core part of our being, and we can't be separated from him. We're intertwined with Christ. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Not death nor life, or angels or rulers, things present or things to come. And so that union with Christ, it's by grace and through faith, and it's a union that is unconditional and permanent. An unconditional and permanent relationship. And so if you think about scripture, Interestingly enough, one of the pictures that Scripture gives for that relationship that we have with God is marriage. Marriage is an illustration of God's love for us in Christ. It's the most intimate and committed of human relationships. It's a human and a human covenant relationship, a relationship that is permanent and binding, one that's um, given until someone passes away. It's that deep of a relationship. But that human covenant, as powerful, as big as it is, is only a reflection of the perfect union, the perfect covenant relationship, which every believer has with God by faith in Jesus Christ and the grace that he gives us. And so when we think about Scripture's teaching on marriage and singleness, it does seem that marriage is a norm and that God gives marriage to most men and women. And it's a wonderful and fulfilling union. It's a beautiful thing. However, anyone who's married will tell you, it's a far from perfect union. No husband and wife are able to love one another with the perfect love that God has for us in Jesus Christ. It's only a shadow, it's a great gift, but it's only a shadow of that perfect love God has for us in Christ. And marriage is only temporary. God gives it to us for a time to reflect his perfect love for us in Christ, but it doesn't last forever. But... Through our faith in him, we're united to God, and we're united to one another forever. And so sin, right now, we might get in the way from experiencing a relationship with God in a perfect way. We mess things up. We mess up our relationships with one another because of our sin. That's the reality of our broken world. Sin screws things up. But we can look forward to the day that Christ comes again or calls us home to the place he's prepared for us, because then we'll be able to experience Perfect relationship with God and perfect relationship with one another—that ultimate union, that ultimate covenant relationship—that marriage only holds a candle to. And so, if you think about it, that union that we have with Christ—that's the core of our identity now and forever. That's what defines who we are. And so, the idea that a believer lacks something, they need to be a fulfilled person, a complete person, simply because they're not married in a human relationship. That is completely unbiblical and ridiculously harmful. Um, the deepest needs and desires in the human heart, they're never gonna be fulfilled by a spouse because only Jesus can do that. And there are a lot of people who hope and long for a spouse to fulfill that role okay. in their life, to fill that hole that all of their deepest longings and needs, oh man, when I just find that person, then I'll be complete. Let me tell you, if you're looking to a spouse to complete you and fulfill you in that way. You're going to face a ton of disappointment when you walk down that aisle because there is not a human being on this planet who will ever be able to fulfill you completely. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Those things only come from knowing Christ, trusting Him and learning what it means to find your life in Him. Only Christ can satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts. So what else does the Bible say about singleness and marriage? I want to look at Matthew 19. Uh, Jesus teaches here that singleness is a gift from God that he gives to some, and is one that he empowers those people to live out. And um, you need to know this would have been absolutely countercultural for Jesus to say. So, when Jesus was alive, the average age at which someone was married was 18 to 20. Jesus was crucified when he was 33 years old. And so, it would have been pretty different for a Jewish man to be unmarried at age 33. And Jesus said that singleness is a better way to live for some people. Here's what he says. This is the New International Readers' version. I really like this version. It's super straightforward as we read it. Not everyone can accept the idea of staying single, Jesus says. Only those who have been helped to live without getting married can accept it. Some men are not able to have children because they are born that way. Some have been made that way by other people. Others have chosen to live that way in order to serve the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this... Should accept it. And so, as we read this passage, I think it's really clear that Jesus didn't think he was the only person who would ever be called to live in singleness because he had like his perfect fellowship with God or something. That doesn't seem to be what he's saying. He says, Singleness is a gift for those to whom God gives it. That's how the NIV and the ESV say it. Not everyone can receive this teaching, but only to those whom it has been given. And so, living long term as a single person isn't for everybody. But it is for some people. And as Jesus says, those people whom it's given, God empowers to live it out. And he taught that there are real benefits to being a single person. If you look at the end of that passage, he says you can give more of yourself to knowing and serving God when you don't have a spouse. You only have so much time and energy and heart to give. And if a lot of that's going towards a person, that's less than can go towards God. It only makes sense. Um, he certainly doesn't teach here that marriage is a bad thing. That's definitely not something that Jesus taught. But he does say that singleness is also a good thing. Singleness is a good thing too. Singleness and marriage are different states to live in, and with each come different opportunities and different challenges. You may know some of the best, uh, some of the best, most well-known teaching in scripture on this topic is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. That's where we're going to move next. Here, Paul is writing to some believers. Uh, City of Corinth, who are struggling to live faithfully in a culture that's presenting them with different standards on what's acceptable morality for them to live by. And in this specific part of the letter, he's writing with advice for these followers on how to think about marriage and sinfulness. Something to keep in mind here is that at Paul's writing, he's driven by a conviction. He really believed that Jesus was going to come again soon. And because he had a personal encounter with Jesus himself, like Paul was eager for that. He was eager for Christ to return. And so that colors what he says here. Another thing we you know is that persecution for their faith was a, a real threat to the people that Paul was writing to, and so that kind of colors what he says in a sense of urgency as well that's unique to this situation. But let's look at First Corinthians seven, verse seven. He writes, I wish that all were as I myself am which is unmarried. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. And so Paul accepted being unmarried as a gift from God. It made his life and his ministry a lot more simple in some ways. He had greater mobility to travel. He could take greater risks than he would be willing to take if he had a family to care for. But he also saw that being single certainly wasn't for everyone. God gives singleness to some people and marriage to others. As he says there, each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. And so here's a takeaway from that second part of the passage. If you're single, receive it as the gift from God that it, as it is. Uh, receive that as the gift from God that it is. And if you're married, receive that as the gift from God that it is, each in its own time. Trust God in how he chooses Provide for you wherever he has you in your life right now, or wherever he decides to leave you. You can trust him to direct your path because he knows what you need, and he can provide for you according to his goodness and wisdom. Uh, I think there's a uh, china closet uh, that just like blew up or something back there. I don't know what that sound is. Does anybody else hear that? I see a lot of expressions <laughs> where people are like, yeah, "I know <laughs> what's I think some of you have a question about the Yes, Does, yes Do it in the now? that be less annoying? You don't hear it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you a story. I'm going to put my wife on the spot and share sure illustration. feel way more comfortable in social situations when Brittany's around because she asks really good questions, and she lets people know that she really cares. Um, another great thing about her spiritual gifting and hospitality is that she loves to look up recipes and cook really good food, um, and so that's a really good thing for me, but I also eat way too much when Brittany's cooking, and so it's a challenge, but it's also a gift that she has. <laughs> hospitality is a God-given gift. Um, but what if Brittany decided that she had a different gift, like administration? Um, what if Brittany said to herself every morning, I want to be someone who thrives in being the decision maker, directing people in groups and making these critical choices about the course of action they should take in an organizational setting, which is a different spiritual gift. Man, Pastor Bob has that spiritual gift in a powerful way. What if Brittany made that desire, something that uh, guided her thoughts on a day-to-day basis, where she made that her narrative and walked around kind of saying to herself, I've always wanted to be the decision maker that people look to in those times of challenge. I want to be that person who has the ball when push comes to shove. I've wasted all my time caring for people. I getting to know them. I want to be that administrator. I would be so frustrated if she said that because I know that God has given her a special gift, a powerful gift that is needed for her to live out the life that God has created her to live. Thankfully, that is not the case with Brittany. She's not like staying up at night and losing sleep over not being an administrator. But here's what we really get. How could she take for granted the gift she'd been given by God because she desired a different one? The Apostle Paul said here in 1 Corinthians, Seven, seven. Singleness and marriage are both gifts given by God. And in His wisdom and in His goodness, He gives each person His or her own gift, one of one kind and one of another. This is a hard thing sometimes because we receive a gift that may not seem like the one that we would pick for ourselves. But God knows just what we need. He knows the gifts that we. So there are so many people, many Christians, many non-Christians, who allow their desire for a spouse to become that narrative for them. Uh, Their focus can be distracted from seeing the gift that God has given them because the one that they desire. And in our culture, one of our greatest values is romantic love. It's something that we aspire to, to enjoy, that a lot of us do aspire to enjoy. And our culture might be okay with saying, man, you know what, that is your narrative. I'm so sorry that you don't have that complete life that you've always desired because you haven't found that spouse yet. But in our faith, we as Christians, we're to value the love of God for us and Jesus Christ above all else and we know that God's care for us is enough that we can be complete people who are fulfilled in Him, people of hope, people of joy as we walk through life. And that can be really hard. I want to say to you, it's a fine thing to look forward to what's next. If you're someone who's really looking forward to marriage, if that's something you're desiring, that's a fine thing. It's a good thing. But don't live in opposition to the gift that God has given you now because you're so much desiring that gift you want in the future. Don't look past the gift he's given you in the present because of what you want in the future. That's unfaithful. And I say that out of love. I'm not trying to be cold or trying to be harsh. I say that out of love. I know that some of you hear this message and you're looking forward to that. I want you to know I've been there. I've been in your shoes. I've been in that time of waiting. But you can trust that God knows just what you need. You can trust that he'll provide for you. You can know that he'll bring that person to you that he has for you or he'll give you more grace to live as a faithful follower of Christ, complete and fulfilled in him, even as you walk through that. Either way, God won't disappoint you and you won't waste your time because right where you are, God wants to grow you closer to him. And there's nothing that's more valuable than that. And so concern yourself with following him. Trust him to direct your path moving forward according to his wisdom and goodness. And so Paul continues on this topic in chapter 7. I'm going to read you one more passage and then conclude with just a few more thoughts. Uh, let's Read verses 27 through 29 and then 32 to 35. Are you pledged to a woman, do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if the betrothed woman, marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. Remember the context. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. I want you to be free from anxiety. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband, and I say this for your own benefit. Do not lay any restraint upon you, Pardon me, not to lay an straight upon you, but to promote good order and security and divided devotions to the Lord. And so here's the spark note summary of that passage. It's a long one. Essentially what Paul says there is that marriage and singleness, they're both good conditions to live in. Both are a good place to be. They're different, with different challenges, different opportunities. But singleness, it has its perks. It allows a person to live a more simple life with less to worry about. Married people will have troubles, he says, that simply won't be a distraction for single people. Married people will need to check their hearts constantly to make sure they're not becoming absorbed in things of this world, distracted by worldly matters, as Paul says. They'll have to fight against becoming preoccupied and complacent in the things of this world. Because of those challenges that can come along with marriage, they'll have to fight against those things but marriage it certainly has its benefits as well. If that's the gift that God gives you. To experience the love of God through another person who's committed to loving you completely and exclusively, that's a powerful thing. It's a gift from God itself. And so, what it comes down to here, if you are called to be single, whether that's for a time of your life or whether that's long term, which I feel like only God would know that. I've heard a lot of I think my wife thought that for a time in college, and I'm sure glad that she changed her mind. (laughs) So only God knows that. Receive whatever gift God gives you as a gift from him. He wants to work in you and through you in a unique way right now, wherever you are in your life. And so take advantages of the unique opportunities that come with being single. You have an opportunity right now to build relationships in a way that you won't have when you have a family. Or in friendships um, in the community. (laughs) With both believers and non-believers, it's not gonna be there when you're married. Take advantage of those opportunities. Look for ways that you can get involved. Build friendships, pour into those relationships. Make an eternal impact. Whether that's learning from a more mature believer or mentoring someone who's a younger believer or getting to know somebody, building the life of somebody who doesn't know Christ. Take advantage of the opportunity you have to do that. And root yourself in Christian community as a single person Find a deep Christian community, a place where you can be encouraged and supported, because you need that, but also a place where you can encourage and support other people, because God wants to use you in their lives as well. He wants to use you in this phase of your life to make an impact for His eternal purposes. And so if someday God decides to change your relationship status, that's going to be cool too. That's cool too. Enjoy that as a gift from God that it is, and make it. make. It, take advantage of that opportunity to make the most of those new advantages uh, and opportunities that are going to come along with that relationship as well. And so Paul's advice for all of us here, whether you're married or unmarried, is the same. He says, remember the time is short. The time is short, so secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. What he's saying is this. Remember, your time here is only temporary. Make the most of it by pursuing Christ in whatever situation you're in. Whether you're single, whether you're married, find your life in Jesus Christ. If you get that right, you have so much freedom. If you're single, you can't lose. If you're married, sweet. Enjoy where God has you. Follow Him in faith. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ that God has for us. He knows just what we need. Let's follow Him in faith. Would you pray? Father, uh, there's some things in life that it would just be so convenient for us, and it would take a burden off of our hearts and off of our minds if we just knew how things would work out again. Um, but God, one of the greatest gifts that we have is that we get to live life by faith. You're the God who knows what we need so much better than we know ourselves. God, you, life is an adventure. Um, you are directing our paths. Sometimes it feels out of our control, and that's actually a good thing, because you're in control. We know that you're good, we know that you're wise, and that is our hope, because you love us enough that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, here, that we might be able to experience life in relationship with you. God, pray uh, now that we would be able to trust you with the details of our lives. Relationships are important to us. Relationships with friends, with family, and the church. I pray that you would give us faith to trust you with relationships, whether you have us in singleness or marriage for a time, um, however long we you to Help us be people who trust you, not to turn away from the gift that you have given us because we would desire a different one, whether we're married or single, but to make most of the opportunities we have to serve and to love others right where you have us, God so I pray right now that as we just uh, respond in song that you would give us a deep gratitude for all the gifts that you've given us and to trust you that you will go before us every day of our lives and we ask this